Good morning, church. Good morning. We try something a little different this morning, all right? You good with that? All right, I got no notes, because it's all up here. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not up here. It's right here. It's right here. So I'm cheating, all right? So we're doing something a little different. Um, sure, thank you. Have you drank out of it? You have? Yes. Uh-huh. It's romance right there. So I hope you were as blessed as I was with my man Kambui uh, preaching the last two weeks. It was so good, yeah. If you're watching Kambui, you got, you got some love from 11 o'clock, 9 o'clock. They were like, yeah, whatever. Um, but it was so good for me to sit and receive. I hope it was good for you as he closed out our love in the long shot. Now we got a new month and a new series that we start today. So every Sunday in... July, we're going to break down a song of Behind the Music, the name of the series, if some of you are old enough to remember that on VH1, where they would tell you the whole story of a song. Um, so we think it's really important. This is really a worship series, really important as a church that we understand what we're singing. So, so you, y'all sounded so good just now singing, his garment made me clean. What is that talking about? We're going to break all that down so we all know what we're singing uh, each week uh, of this series. At, at my house, um, you know, I'm not one of those dads. It's like music has gotten so bad, right? It was bad when I was growing up, right? Right? It's just, you know, some things are different. But uh, my kids are singing a song, and I'm like, what are you singing? Who's that by? So I look it up, you know, and it's by a little, little Pistol or whatever their names are these days, you know. Um, little Water Gun, whatever. Um, and uh, so here's, here's our test. All right, I want you to hear. Here's on my phone. Here's the lyrics. Go read this out loud to your mom. No, 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 I'm not saying, no, read it. Don't skip any words. If you're not reading, if you won't read it out loud to your mom, then maybe you shouldn't be singing it. That's all I'm saying, all right? So um, it's really important to understand what you're singing as a church. Um, So we just sang that song, Jubilee. You're gonna get another chance to sing it. And hopefully when you sing it the second time at the end of the service, it'll mean a little more because we're gonna break down what it is and what exactly it means. So we're gonna, one of the things I love about Maverick City, the worship band, most of their songs come straight out of scripture. And this is true of this one. So as we talk about Jubilee, a lot of people don't even know what that means, right? Because it's not a word you use normally uh, in our daily life, but it's a very important biblical word. So we're going to break that down. Starting in Luke 4, where Jesus shows up at church. In verse 16, he says, Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, homeboy. And he, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. So a few things. He's in his hometown, right? He was claiming to be the son of God, Messiah. And he showed up with all the people that knew him as a little boy and had seen him for years. So they're like, who do you think you are? And it says, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue. So it was was Jesus' custom to go to church. If Jesus decided it was important for him to go to church, maybe it's important for you to go to church. Now, why am I saying that? You're here, right? Maybe I should just look in the camera. Uh, We know a bunch of people are out of town this weekend. We're not, we love you. We love you. It's all good. So Jesus was in church regularly at the synagogue, and he was on the Sabbath. Their Sabbath was Saturday, and that word's very important to connect to Jubilee today, what Sabbath was, all right? So when God, Kambui talked a lot about uh, creation, right, the six, seven days. Six days, he created stuff. Seventh day, he rested. It wasn't because he was so tired, he just couldn't do anything else. God gave us a gift of Sabbath because he created you. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish, not Jewish. It doesn't matter if you're old, young, male, or female. He created all of us to need 
rest. If you want to live your best life, that's a popular phrase today, live your best life, you've got to rest, specifically Sabbath. So how it looked in a farming agricultural um, community was you would work six days and then you would not touch the farm on the seventh day, which required a lot of trust because you were counting on God to provide enough food on days five and six to, so you could eat on day seven, right? So that was Sabbath, this idea. I took a sabbatical last year of rest and I studied Sabbath, trying to figure out what does Sabbath look like for me and my daily rhythm, all right? And I came back from the sabbatical and I was practicing Sabbath and it was amazing. And then I had a stroke, as many of you know, in November. And then um, I've kind of gotten away from it. We naturally drift away um, from Sabbath. So that's, that's the brilliance of God that he put it into the calendar every seven days. So uh, we preached a whole message called Cool It Now back uh, last year talking about the importance of rest because what we figured out is a lot of us have a connection between rest and lazy, right? And that's not biblical, right? A lot of, a lot of us um, would be rather be called anything in the world other than lazy, right? So uh, we call people who don't work lazy. See if you can finish this sentence. God calls people who don't rest. Anybody know? Oh, sinners. That's even better when I got. Disobedient, all right? It's a sin, right? It's an important part. It's a big deal. We don't live like that's a, something God commanded us to do, but he did, right? So learn to rest. It's part, of the, it's part of mental health. It's part of spiritual health. It's part of who you were created to be by your creator, God. So Sabbath, it's really important for Jubilee. Sabbath is how we get to Jubilee. Sabbath was every seven days. It was a reminder. And it wasn't just to stop. It was stop, rest, and delight in who God is and remember what he's done and like just soak in who he is. Every seven years, they give a Sabbath year, right? You talk about trust. Every seven years as a farmer in a Jewish community, you would not mess with the land. You would let the land rest and recover. So you had to get enough food in years five and six to make it a whole year without farming. So it was a way to trust God with your rest. So they would do that every seven years, which actually helped the land come back better. And then every seven times seven, which is what? Man, I told nine o'clock, I wasn't sure how y'all would do with that, but you're good. So every 49 years would be this year of Jubilee. It's the seven, the seven's the number of completion in the Bible. Every 49th year going into the 50th year, they would blow a horn for everybody to hear, which signified the beginning of the year of Jubilee. What's the year of Jubilee? Well, it's rest and it's a lot of eating and a lot of partying, but specifically, this is crazy. It's going to sound crazy to you if you don't know, if you haven't heard this. What happened in the year of Jubilee, let's say we're all Jewish. All right, everybody in the room's Jewish, and we're back in that day. We were, all given, we were all given land, right, the promised land. We inherited land from God, right? So, and it was split up among what tribe you were in, so we got land, and land was money, right? That's how, you, that's how you grew your crops or you had livestock. That's how you lived and ate. So we all have our own land proportioned out at the beginning. Well, the Jubilee's every 50 years. Let's say five years into that, I'm just not a good farmer. My stuff ain't growing. And my stuff ain't growing and we ain't eating. And my kids are like, well, how come you can't, you can't grow anything, Dad? I'm just not good at it, I guess. I guess I'm doing something wrong. Well, it gets worse and worse so much so that we're not eating. So what, what do I do? I, I, don't, I can't get a loan. So what, I, what my options are is I can sell my land to one of you who's just killing it and doing great. So you buy my farm and the money you give me for my farm, I'm able to feed my family and buy food from other people for a while. But then like 30 years later, the money that I sold my farm, it's all gone. So now what are my options? Now I gotta go back to you who I sold my land to and say, hey, could you use an extra set of hands? I'll work your farm that used to be mine 
so that I can have money to feed my family. It's a humbling, right? So I do that. Well, then in the year of Jubilee, everything went back to its original owner. What? Everything went back. So the farm that you paid good money for becomes mine again, right? And you go back to where you, go back to where you begun. Now, some people would try to say this is a redistribution of wealth. It's not just taking your land and giving it to whoever. It's giving it back to the person it was originally belonged to. Right, everybody gets to go back and reset every 50 years. So most people would only remember one of those, right? So if let's say Jubilee was 2010, all right, there'll be another one in 2060, right? I don't know if I'll be around for that. Some of you definitely won't be, uh, but you know, so you may. But most people only remember one Jubilee. I'm sorry, that was rude. Uh, that's what happens. That's what happens when I don't have notes. All right, um, God willing, right? God willing. So you, you, you get to experience one reset, one reset. So, so now let's go back to Jesus, all right? He's in the synagogue, as was his custom. Next verse. Um, and this is how they did church. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So Jesus is, the Bible was the Old Testament. He's unrolling, he's looking for something specific. He's the guest reader to, in, this, in this church service. And here's what he chooses to read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now he's taking from Isaiah 58 and mostly from Isaiah 61, he's reading something very specific that he wants to read. And that's where this song that we just sang comes from. I wanna, I wanna just break down that verse piece by piece. It starts with the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Some of that may confuse some of you, like I thought he was the Lord. He was, right? So Kambui talked about Genesis when God said, we created man in our own image. We and our, those, program, those pronouns, are it's not, it wasn't just God the Father. It was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They were all there for all time in the beginning. So Jesus, that's how the Spirit of the Lord can be on Jesus the Lord at the same time. So that's how he starts. Then the next says, because he anointed me. That's king talk. That's, I'm, an, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the one. He anointed me to what? Next verse. Proclaim good news to the poor. Right? That Jesus is kind of stepping in. Like one of the main reasons I'm here is to proclaim good news to the poor. Why is the gospel, as a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement, why is the gospel good news to the poor? So culturally, you know, we, we, uh, we don't look that well upon the poor. One reason it's good news to the poor is because the idea of jubilee. Was that good news to the, the guy who had killed it and, and, and had bought 10 other farms from other people and had an empire? No, that was, Jubilee was not good news, right? Because everything was going on. But to the poor who had lost everything for whatever reason, Jesus was good news because things got reset, second chance, third chance, uh, uh, starting over. Um, it was also good news because the gospel, as I hope you know, changes standing, right? In that day, just like today, if you don't have anything financially, you're kind of looked down upon, right? And Jesus was saying, the gospel of Jesus is good news to the poor because your standing has nothing to do with your net worth. You're not any less if you don't have and you're not any more if you're doing really well, right? Your standing before God has nothing to do with how much is or is not in your bank account. That's good news to the poor if you don't have much, right? Then we're gonna spend a little time here. Jesus, think about this. He said, he has sent me. I've been here, I came here for a reason. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. I don't know what's the first thought when you hear the word liberty. I think of that dumb commercial. Liberty, liberty, liberty. 
I should have had Joe sing that for me. That was bad. Um, you, you know the song there, right? Liberty Insurance. I think of there's a, there's a WNBA team called the Liberty, but I think of Lady Liberty. That's my first connection, right? This statue um, that some of you used to see every day when you went to work. Um, but do you know the story, right? I, if, if you don't know about it, you think, hey, this was given to America when and it, was, it was not given to America in our early days. It was 100 years in. It was more than 100 when it was finally brought over, but it came from a Frenchman. Remember that? You believe that? A French guy thought of the Statue of Liberty. Here's his name. Help me out here. Edouard Laboulaye. 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 Oui, oui. Laboulaye. Laboulaye. All right. I had some help with that. Somebody in first service was a French speaker, and they helped me out. All right. This guy was an abolitionist. He, he was abolitionist, meaning against slavery. And in 1865, when the Civil War ended and America... Um, freed the slaves for the most part. Um, this guy was like, man, we got to do something to celebrate what America did. And his idea was, and he hired the guy, that, he mentored the guy who eventually sculpted the Statue of Liberty. And it took 20 years for it to actually show up in New York, but it came from him. And that explains why I didn't know this about the Statue of Liberty, this little picture. Um, there's a shackle, there's a broken shackle as part, of, I don't know if you've been at the Statue of Liberty or hung out at the foot of the Statue of Liberty, but there's a broken shackle signifying the, the broken shackles. Now, go back to the Statue of Liberty. Um, this is a little tricky. Can I just, can, can, we, can we be honest with each other both ways this morning? Can we? This is a multi-ethnic church, and I'm speaking on freedom and liberty for the captives on the week of July 4th. So, we got to talk. All right, so, do you know what, do you, let's, let's test your history knowledge, because if you just came to America and didn't know anything, you'd think, oh, this is the, we're celebrating the winning of the Revolutionary War. That's not why we celebrate on July 4th. That didn't happen in July. That happened in another month. What happened on July 4th? Anybody know? Wow. Thank you, sir. Um, Declaration of Independence was signed. So it's a beautiful document. If you, you probably remember a little bit of it from school, that, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that everybody has certain rights that are given to them just because they're human by God to pursuit of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, right? And, and the, the tricky part of this is that we know historically when it said all men are created equal, it didn't actually mean all, right? So that, didn't, that, didn't, that wasn't, but we know that from the way they live. So we got to talk this morning about, I learned this in counseling, the difference between stated beliefs and actual beliefs. Like you might believe something, but then how you live it out is your actual beliefs, right? So you can go to a bunch of the founding fathers and what they said about slavery, and they said some good, right things, but yet it was part of the beginning of our country. Um, a pretty significant part, if you ask me. Now, the problem with this is Jesus walked into this church service and said, I'm here to set captives free. And it's that same Jesus that has been quoted, misquoted, used, and misused to justify the institution of slavery. If you go study your history and you can find preachers preaching messages from the Bible saying God is for this institution and for this hierarchy, right? It's messed up. And it's not always in the past. Let me tell you this story that um, breaks my heart. Um, Last summer, I was on sabbatical. I mentioned that. And uh, we came here most weeks because I just, I didn't want to miss. I love this church. It's such a blessing. But last July 4th week, last year, 2022, I told, uh, my daughter was out of town, so it was me, Kelly, and the boys. 
was like, hey, let's go, we, we, let's go to another church just to have no responsibility. We don't know anybody. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for me. So I Googled multi-ethnic church. All right, we came up, but then I, I went to the first church, multi-ethnic church after. There's one not too far from here. I was like, yeah, I don't want to go to a non-multi-ethnic church. So that's what we'll do. So me and my family, we went to this church. I won't tell you the name of it. Don't ask me. So we go in. It's diverse. The worship is rocking. I don't know the songs, but it's, it's cool. The, the pastor gets up and he introduces the guest speaker who's a, who's a missionary. This dude gets up to start his message. And he starts with a verse from Deuteronomy. And he starts with how God always told his people to remember your history. And then he transitioned to, we as Americans need to remember our history. And then that's when I knew we were in trouble because we are not Israel. Right? Israel, the Old Testament, is not America today. Right? And then he proceeded um, to give a very long uh, history lesson. And he attacked the generation. I'm going to quote what he said. He said, this generation, this next generation is historically illiterate. And he proved that by this quote. He said, they think the founding of our country was permanently flawed and immoral. Flawed and immoral. And that was his proof of the historical illiteracy of this generation. Right? And I'm looking around like, y'all, am I, like, I was like, God, if I'm supposed to stand up and say something and say, run, right? Come to our, like, but I was like, you don't, you know, that's, that's, you don't really do that. You know, that's, that's against the rules to be a guest and come in. But he proceeded then to go century by century and talk about the founding of our Christian nation. Right? And it's like, again, are we the permanently flawed and immoral? Uh, slavery was there before we began, before independence and after independence and continued. If that's not flawed and immoral, then I don't know what we could call flawed and immoral. Now, permanently meaning doesn't mean we're permanently flawed and immoral as a country, but it means those things that we are founded on, are per- they will always be wrong, right? Then he, so he went century by century, and I was like, this dude's going to give him a whole history of America and not even mention slavery. But he did. He got to the end of his message, and he, and he brought up slavery, and he, and he started saying things like, you know, of the millions of, pe- of slaves that came from Africa, only 2.5% came to America. 43% came to Brazil. So it was a constant of like, hey, we're not as bad as, you know, and we passed some good laws before the so-and-so, and it was just like, you know, and most of the founding fathers, you know, were anti-slavery, but he didn't mention that they had slaves. They didn't believe in it, but they had it, and they didn't stop it, right? And, and it was just, and it was, again, putting the opposite of who Jesus was and who he claimed to be, and putting this stuff um, you know, just minimizing the truth of the evil of slavery. So, we got to tell the truth. You ready for that? The truth, and it's an ugly truth, and it makes people uncomfortable. The ugly truth in our history is there is a level of superiority and supremacy in our racial history that allowed laws to change and not to change and this or that. There was a, there's a belief that the color of your skin made you incapable of certain things. We reject that. Why? Because we're a multi-ethnic church? No, because the gospel rejects that. The gospel rejects superiority on the basis of race. It does. It's clear. It's not debatable. So we uh, reject that as well. Do you know um, Abraham Lincoln's original plan of if we can get the slaves freed, what to do with them? Right, he said it boldly in speeches seven, eight years before the end of the civil. His plan was 
African colonization, meaning we're going to ship by boat all the slaves back to Africa to a place called Liberia. Um, and that was the plan. And he got that from Thomas Jefferson. And if you study these guys' minds, why was that the plan? Their thought was, we just love America, and there's just no way that white and black can coexist peaceably because of what's happened, because of the trauma. They knew deep down this is not okay. Because of what's happened, we'll never, we'll never be able to be a country united unless we segregate like completely and totally. That was the original plan. Now, like a lot of us, Abraham Lincoln evolved, and that's not what happened, and we're thankful for that. But, but sometimes I get some pushback. Shocking, right? I get some pushback on multi-ethnic church from other pastors of like, yeah, it really doesn't speak to black-white issues, right? And it's not just black-white. It's black-white, Hispanic, um, and then we're not even getting to the Native Americans and how all, all of that. Um, and that was another thing that that preacher, his, 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 he was making the argument that America, we came here to spread the gospel to the natives, right? That's such a... All right, so um, anyway... Um, <laughs> The, I get some pushback sometimes of like, it, it was Jew-Gentile, it really isn't applicable to what we're dealing with today. In my, and it's very, it's very, it's, a, it's an easy transition, right? Because Jew and Gentile, when, when Jesus came and they started church, nobody was talking about, hey, we should do this thing together. It was impossible. I'm a Jew, you're a Gentile. We don't talk, we don't speak, we don't hang out. You're, we're against you because you're against us. There'd been all kinds of trauma that was foundational. Like there's just no moving on from that. Might as well just live our own separate lives. And yet they didn't. They came together and became one. How? Only through Jesus, right? And that's the only path forward. The multi-ethnic church should have led right, the movement in our country for civil rights, because it's, it's Jesus saying we can come uh, together and, and be one through him and through, only through him. Now, as we celebrate the fourth, our goal as a church when we talk about hard things is to unite, right? I'm not ashamed to come up here and say, I'm thankful for my country. I'm thankful, right? And somebody's like, it doesn't sound like you are, right? Well, if you're thinking that, it's because you haven't heard pastors talk about this stuff, right? That's not my fault, right? Um, I, I can be appreciative of our country, right? It's not unloving to tell the truth, right? Kambui was up here. He has a hard story. If you were here for week one, he called me that weekend. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave some of the stuff I told you out because I didn't realize my father was going to be in the room. So he's preaching on Father's Day and some of his story, I mean, it's, it's rough, but he told his story of of, I mean, he was a violent guy. He was knocking, he, I mean, he didn't tell the full details. He, he was 12 years old and put a guy out in a fight and then went up going to court. And that, if you heard his whole amazing message. Now, he's not proud of that part of his story, but it's a key part of his story and what God's done in his life. It's not unloving for me to bring that out when I'm telling you about Kambui, right? He's got, he's got a rough past. It's not unloving, it's just true, right? So it's not unloving to tell the truth. Now, here's how we approach that as a church. Let me give you two examples. Maybe you're neither one of these guys, but just listen. Here's a guy, and this represents some folks in our church. July 4th is his absolute favorite holiday. Loves it, right? Because it's deeply emotional to him. Because it represents, because this guy has been overseas and he has seen, representing the military of our country, he has seen America show up in some places that were dark and hopeless, and he's seen people's lives forever change for the good because of the role of America had done in those places. He also has dear friends, brothers, or sisters that have gone to some of these places and not come home. They gave the ultimate sacrifice of their life. So to, to this guy, July 4th is sacred, 
right? He's going to wave the flag. He's going to do all this stuff. And he loves our country and the freedom. And it's just dear to him, all right? Now, this guy over here, he's going to eat on Tuesday also, right? But he's not going to wave the flag. It's a, it's, it's a little different for him, right? Because he hates America? No, because he just would feel some kind of way. He doesn't quite know what to do with the reality that we're celebrating a document that said all men are created equal, but he knows for, in the original um, time and place of that, that did not include him. He wasn't included in the all. He wasn't fully enough human to be included in that great document originally, right? So here, here's, what, here's what we're doing as a church. Here's what we're about. If you're new to us, here's what we're about. We're not trying to get these two guys to not fight. We're not trying to get these two guys to coexist, right? That happens every day in our culture. In every movie theater, in every sports arena, we got these two guys holding hands, wearing the same jersey. They get along just fine. We're not trying to get along. We're trying to have these two dudes be brothers in Jesus. Brothers in Jesus. Nobody can pull that off except for Jesus, to true, and how does that happen? It starts, with a humility, it starts with a humility and a maturity for this guy to say, man, you're not celebrating like I am. I need to hear more of where you're coming from. I want to know. I want to have a conversation, not so I can correct you, but so I can just hear your perspective of why you don't have a flag waving like I do, right? And I'm not going to call you names and put all these labels on you because you don't have the same perspective as me. And this guy is saying he's not going to call this guy racist for, for celebrating July 4th, and he's going to say, you know what, I want to know why this holiday is so dear to you. I want to hear more of your story that makes it so sacred. And as they swap stories, both of them grow, both of them learn, and it doesn't mean the, this guy's going to celebrate like he's never celebrated before, and this guy's going to put away the fireworks. No, it just means that they hear each other, love each other, and believe that there's something that can unite them that's bigger than their perspectives. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. And it's hard sometimes as our whole culture is, you know, celebrating different things and what they mean. And part of that is our tabling initiative. So we, we're getting together and eating. We did this in June. Um, we're going to do it again. It's not this week, but it's the week after next. Get on there, see where you want to go. Um, it's free food. Like if you want to, it starts a week from tomorrow. If you played it right, you could table every night, <laughs> right? That's really not the heart of this, but you know, you know what I'm saying. So Here's what I want you to do, because sometimes I, I, we went to one, it was great. Sometimes it can be a little awkward if you don't know each other, and everybody's kind of like, what do we talk about? How's the weather? What do you do for a living? Right? If it's kind of going that way, and you're like, man, I want some more, here's what I suggest. Just bust out with, right after the prayer, bust out with, hey, what'd y'all, what'd y'all think about that July 4th stuff? And just see how it goes. All right? I'm not responsible. All right? So I just had, I had to stop and take that detour because our Jesus, who has been misquoted and misused in the history of our country, our Jesus said, hey, I'm here to proclaim liberty to the captives. Let's continue. His next line, he said, I'm, re I'm here to recover sight to the blind, right? The, the, the language is interesting there. He's not saying blind people can see, it's recovering sight for the blind, which goes into the idea of Jubilee, to reset, to set at liberty, to release those who are oppressed. That's why Jesus came. I'm here to free those who are oppressed. That could be oppression from a system, from a government, from a person, from a marriage, from a, all kinds of things. I'm here to set free those who are oppressed, comma, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, he doesn't say the word jubilee right there, but he might as well have. Everybody in the Jewish, like the, because of what he's quoting from Isaiah, this is the year of the Lord's favor, that's the year of jubilee. Jesus is saying, I am here to start the new Jubilee. 
Now, his jubilee has nothing to do with land going back to its rightful owner. What he's, what he's talking about when he says, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, I'm setting things back to the original Garden of Eden. That's why I'm here, right? So in the Garden of Eden, everything was great. We were walking with God. God was our God. We could talk to him and be his children, and there was no sin, and there was no death, and it was amazing. It was perfection. It was paradise and perfection until sin entered the world. Until, from that moment, everything was messed up. So Jesus came to set things right. He said, I'm here to proclaim the year of Jubilee. Instead of your land getting returned, what we're returning is your right relationship with God. You can walk and talk, and he can be your father going forward. And then he said, the next verse said, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And Jesus did. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were, synagogue were fixed on him. What's he going to say next? And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Right? If there was mic drops back then, that's a mic drop moment. Jesus saying, the year of the Lord, I am the Jubilee right? The promised one, all this stuff, the, the one who comes and sets everybody free. I'm here. You're looking at him. I'm not just the carpenter that you thought I was. I'm different. Um, and the gospel is here and I'm not blowing a horn to start the Jubilee like they did back in the day. I'm just announcing it with my own mouth. I am the Jubilee. It's here. We're going to restore things back. And people are like, well, how are you going to do that? And you know, we know because we can see that he went to the cross um, to restore us back to right relationship with God through his loving sacrifice, right? And again, we want you to understand what you're singing. So let me take a few lyrics from this song that may be confusing. Um, his garment uh, made me clean. This woman shouting, that, that's a, um, a reference to a story, an account in, in Luke chapter eight, where there's a woman who's got a, a medical condition of bleeding, right? And it, you don't want me to go any further than that. Um, but the problem with that is she can't get any help. She's had 12 years of bleeding says she's gone to all the doctors and nobody can help her, right? If, if you ever dealt with anything chronic, it's a really hard place to be, right? So, so she can't get any help. Um, and she hears, there's a guy going around and he's healing people like nobody ever has. Um, so the other problem with her condition in the Jewish culture is she's unclean. You're, the bleeding makes her unclean. So she couldn't come to the parties. She couldn't go to the to the church service. She couldn't do things because she was unclean permanently because of her bleeding issue. All right, so she's, she has the faith based on who she believes Jesus to be. She thinks, if I just touch this guy's robe, I think he's got that kind of power. So she gets close enough to him where she grabs his, his garment, as the song says, and instantly she's healed. Instantly she knows. Addiction gone, disease gone, whatever. Instantly she's healed. And Jesus is, stops like, hey, who touched me? And the disciples are like, everybody? What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> you mean what's, are you all right, Jesus? What do you mean, who touched you? He's like, no, I felt the power uh, go from me. Here's how that section in Luke 8 ends. It says, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, she's busted, she came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. And she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Right? She's scared, like, oh, it was me. I, I, I just believed that you... It would, it would heal me. And then he said to her, daughter, what a word, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Right? It's a beautiful combination we talk about all the time. Our faith and his power, they're connected. Our, her faith and his power, and she was instantly healed. So when we're singing about his garment made me clean, if God has healed or freed you from anything, physical, emotional, substance, spiritual, like that's what that's connected to. 
Um, he talks, the song talks about good news for the captives. This is good news, right? All, but it's only good news for the captives, right? Jubilee was only good news for the people that had messed up and lost their land. Well, spiritually, you're the captive. Well, you don't know me, pastor. I don't. But I know you've sinned. There's not, we got precious babies back there and the like none of them is going to live the life sinless, right? We all have this condition in our humanity where we'll choose ourselves and sin. So scripture teaches, Roman talk, Romans talks a lot about this, that we're slaves to sin, meaning you can try as hard as you want to live this week perfectly. Jesus did it for a whole life. None of us will pull that off. You can't. You're not able to. Right? That's why you can come to talk God and talk real, because he knows you're incapable of righteousness and perfection. That's why Jesus came and became righteousness and perfection on our behalf. He freed us from that. So we're slave to sin. sin the wages of sin is death. Right? So you're going to sin, and sin leads to death, and death, if you're separated from God, leads to hell. So you're a slave to sin, death, and hell. And Jesus showed up to knock them all three out in a weekend. Right, through the cross and resurrection. So when he says good news for the captives, you got to see yourself as a captive. Like you, were, you have no ability to good yourself out of sin, death, and hell. The best life in here, whoever that is, I don't know, we could take a vote. Whoever's lived the goodest life, I know that's not a word, you know what I'm saying. Whoever's lived the goodest life in here, it does not exempt them from the wages of sin being death and hell. There's no hope except for Jesus. So he has freed us. And we got to sing like that, right? The, the line I like, it says the free man singing. That woman who was healed of the bleeding, you think she went home singing, right? Yeah, when, when you're freed from something and, it, and it's, it's like you want to, there's joy in you, you want to sing, you got to feel that, right? The gospel that we're always talking about, some of you, you heard it so much, you kind of start to maybe tune out a little bit. You got you to sit in what God accomplished for us through Jesus, the debt that was paid, all right, let me give you a story that's going to help you feel it, I hope. I felt it in this story. And it's a story that some of you can relate with because it's a story where I just blew it. No excuse, all right? So um, I mentioned my stroke. Uh, November, coming back from my stroke, um, and I, 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 just not, I don't struggle with memory stuff, right? My wife and kids, anytime I forget something, it's like, it's just, no, I forgot stuff before, all right? It's just, it's, just, it's just normal forgetting. Well, thank you, yeah. So the... Uh, our building, um, we're renters. We don't own this building. We're so blessed to get to rent this space. And um, part of our contract is we carry liability insurance, right? You understand that? So we, we pay that every year. Well, I forgot to renew. And I knew I was supposed to do it. And I had it in my notes. I had it on my to-do list. And I just forgot. Um, and I was going to get to it. I was going to get to it, but I forgot. March, we're away at our, at our end-of-year basketball tournament. Um, in Tennessee, and I get an email one morning, and at this point, if you guys know my story, I was struggling with anxiety. I read this email from Stephen, our landlord, and said, hey, really sorry, unfortunately, to tell you this, but a thief got into the building last night, the door was left unlocked, and took our soundboard. And I'm reading this email, and I'm thinking, oh no, we're not covered. And for some reason, I don't know why, for some reason in my head, that soundboard cost $40,000, right? It doesn't. I was way off. I don't know where that came from, but that was my memory, and I was just like, this guy, this guy came in and took our soundboard and it should be covered and it's not. And I got, I got no excuse. I could blame the stroke, but I was like, I just forgot. And now what? Now God's money, you guys are so generous. You give sacrificially. We got a lot of tithers at our church that allow us to be who we are. And I got to look you in the eye and say, I forgot to do something and we got to pay $40,000 to replace a board. And I was so eaten up. 
Like I, I couldn't eat. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to coach. We're going to the gym. I was like, Kelly, you better drive because I'm a mess. And I had a call with Steven. Like we got to talk through this because he had, he, we had texted back and forth and he said, maybe one of your people left the door unlocked. I'm like, our people don't do that. Um, so I said, don't you have cameras? So we had a phone conversation and he's like, hey, I checked the cameras. It was actually one of our people, one of his people that worked for him that left the door unlocked that allowed the thief to come in and take the board. So he said, you know what? We'll cover the board. That's the, that's the right thing to do. All right. So I thank him. I hang up the phone. Some of you, I, I cried like a baby. Right? I don't remember. Like I just, it was just, um, and I was trying to, you know, you know, that moment where you're trying to tell the person you're with, it's a good cry, it's, okay. it's good news. And I was like, it's, it's covered. And I was like, I, you know that feeling? I was off the hook, right? I, didn't, I, had, I was gonna have to look at y'all and say, listen, here's what happened. And you guys, because you're people of grace, right? But that, it was a $4,000 board. I was off a of zero. That ain't nothing. <laughs> that ain't nothing. But still, man, I was so, oh, I was so full of joy and everything. I thank you, Jesus. And I'll never forget to renew that liability insurance. Again, that's part of, like, we, I want to, that, that's, when you're freed from something, and I'm not talking about a $40,000 bill, when you're freed from sin, death, and hell, are you serious? Like, you got to sing about that. You got to walk with that and not forget that, right? And it says, the song says he's rebuilding everything. We're, we're in a, you feel that in our church? He's rebuilding some things. I'm, I'm going to call you to come and be prayed for if you, if you want to be prayed for at the end of this service. And uh, a couple people came, we prayed for him first service. I was out at the front door and a guy came out and he said, I really wanted to come forward and be prayed for, but I was embarrassed. I was like, why? He's like, well, because we haven't been since before the pandemic. We just started coming back and I'm just embarrassed. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? So he got prayed for out front. Don't do that. Don't wait, right? Be, be, he's rebuilding everything. And who are we as a church? Some of you are new and you're like, I want to get in on this. Here's what we're about. We're about rebuilding. We're about this word, this scripture word, reconcile. It means to bring back. Sometimes I, I don't, like the, the, the phrase racial reconciliation. I know what people mean, their hearts are right. But in our country specifically, I don't, racial reconciliation means we would reconcile our race relations back to where they used to be, which they never were right and where we want them to be. So we're trying, that's, it's a new thing. God is doing a new thing. He's rebuilding everything. And the multi-ethnic church is right in the middle of that. Here's the word reconcile so beautifully in Corinthians. Here's how Paul talked about this word. From now on, we don't regard anybody from a worldly point of view. We once did. We, will, we once looked at Christ that way, but we don't any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who what? Reconciled us to himself. He brought us back to himself through Christ, the Jubilee, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He let us off the hook and he, was, and he reconciled us back to Garden of Eden relationship, righteousness through Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Well, then it tells you you got a job to do. Next part says, and he has committed us, the church, to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. You didn't know you were an ambassador. You're an ambassador to that job. If I'm an ambassador to Ireland for America, I'm not Irish. I'm representing the interests of America to Ireland. You're an ambassador representing Christ to your world as though God were making his appeal through us. That's crazy. When a decision goes the wrong way, I'm gonna come back to the judge and I'm gonna appeal that. That's not right. God, everything got wrecked with sin. God's making his appeal to the world through us. We implore you, we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who 
had no sin to be sin for us so that we can be made the righteousness of God brought back, reconciled to him. He's rebuilding everything. We carry the message of reconciliation. We carry the message that the world doesn't know, that there's a God who wants to not count your sin against him and wants to know you and be in relationship with you. That's what we carry with our life, with how we talk, with how we love, with how we do everything. Um, all right, next, this, this phrase, true joy and his freedom. I said we're going to get real. I, want, I, was, I was trying to be real about some of our history as a country. I'm asking you to be real with yourself. Not about history, not about how you feel about July 4th, not about that. I want you to be real about, does that describe you? Or if you're a Christian, are you walking in true joy? There's a joy that scripture talks about that doesn't come and go based on how the week went. There's a joy that nobody can take from you. And it comes from the freedom that God bought for us in Jesus. So the freedom that we want you to feel and live in is a freedom that it doesn't matter what people are whispering about you. It doesn't matter what they say about you. Our freedom comes from what God says about us, right? We are free to not have to live. Some of you are on that, that treadmill of living based on what other people say and think about you. It's a miserable way to live. You're just, your mood and your emotions go up and down based with how your boss or whoever, you know, how they're talking about you. We are freed from that. We only care about what our God says and thinks. An audience of one is the phrase, right? So we don't have to strive because we know our best life is not good enough for God, only Jesus, right? So we don't have to perform. We just have to come close to him. And it takes so much pressure off. And there's so much performance in our culture, in our society, in our occupations, in our, in our exercise, in our visual, in everything. We got some, some crazy guys in this church. Anybody ever heard of 75 hard? The workout, 75 hard? All right, so... Um, there's a few uh, folks, including my oldest son, that are doing their version of that. So it's 75 days in a row of hard stuff. And, and it's not Jesus-based, because if you mess up one day, you go back to zero. And that ain't Jesus, right? But Kambui's, Kambui's doing it. Um, Kambui's on day 61 today. I'm doing it. I'm not doing any of it. I'm doing it through Kambui. I'm praying for him. <laughs> So uh, when he gets to day 75, I'm going to post that picture of me and him and say, hey, we completed 75 hard today, even though I've done none of it. It's every day you commit to doing not one, but two workouts for 45 minutes, one outside, one inside, 45 minutes without stopping. Every day you drink a gallon ugh, of water, all right? You read 10 pages of a nonfiction book, and then you pick something uh, diet-wise that you want. You, can, you got freedom in that, and you do that. Um, and you stick to that for 75 days, and you take a picture of yourself every night um, to show your transformation. And if you miss any of those, one of the days, you go all the way back to zero, right? Our culture loves that. It's like, what a, what a, you know, what an accomplishment. We can do so much more than our brains realize, and that's true. But when you bring that into Jesus, man, it's gonna mess you up, right? Because he's a father, and he did for you what you can't do. So do we still try, try, hard, try hard? Do we still strive to live a right life and to be who? Yes, we do. But I love this verse because Paul combines both of those things. He's talking about people maturing in Christ. And he said, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I'm, I'm trying with all his energy. I'm not trying by my own self-determination and my own willpower. I'm trying with the spirit of God that powerfully works within me. Right? That's a big difference, right? The joy and freedom coming from you stop trying to be good or to perform for God, right? Joy comes from I am who he says I am because of Jesus, and I can't earn that, and he's given it to me, and I'm free now to live for him and him alone, 
right? I'm free. And part of the freedom, part of the freedom that you experience is you trust that what he said is good and you obey it. Our freedom comes from knowing if I obey God, I will never stand before you, church, and say, hey, I'm really sorry, but I've got to tell you of something really sinful and immoral I did, and I'm not going to be able to be your pastor anymore, right? And I know that never happens overnight. It happens in small steps, but all those small steps start with a deception, and they start with a disobedience, right? When we live our own way, we don't, some of you can't taste the freedom that we're talking about this morning because you're doing things your way. And that takes away, you're not going to feel that freedom. Let me give you two Two examples, right? Let's say you're going through some mess. One person over here, they're going through mess, and here's the big fat reason they're going through mess, because the world's messed up and the world's broken. So things happen and medically and relationally, and it's not their fault. They're, they're obeying God, and they're, but they're still having to go through mess, right? And it's really hard, but it's not their fault. Now we got somebody over here, and they've done life their own way. They know what God says, but they thought, you know what, I can... I can do my thing my way, right? And they're now starting to reap what they've sown. Some really hard things are happening in life. And it's not just because life is hard. It's because they've chosen to do things their way, right? And that's not best for you. God loved us so much that he would give us how to live, right? Out of love, not out of punishment, right? Now, so two different situations. You know what the enemy, there is an enemy that hates you. You know what he's really good and mixing those up. He's really good at making this person think, you know, don't take ownership, don't acknowledge because, you know, it's just part of life, right? That's not gonna get you. The only way to get is repentance of turning from what you need to do. And, and the enemy's really good at telling this person, you know why things aren't going your way? Because of what you did, right? It's, it's your, your, this, is, this is your fault. And it's not your fault. It's the fault of being a human. It's the human experience. So you gotta see God to make sure you know where you're at. He wants us to take ownership um, and obey. But when you're in obedience, you have the freedom of knowing he's not, he's not that God who's just going to, you know, send bolts at you because you, you know, whatever. He, he, he says we can live in freedom because we can trust him. If you're aligned with him and nothing can get to you, right? It's an invitation. This song is an invitation. It says to be made whole. It's probably my favorite line in this song. Like, do you feel whole? You know, just talking about wholeness, right? Some of you, maybe you can't explain it this morning, but you're just like, I don't know if I feel whole. I don't feel like I'm living the life I was supposed to live. I don't feel, I don't know. I don't feel it, right? It's, and it, Jesus came and he inaugurated the, the year of Jubilee that has not ended and won't ever end. He was trying to reset everything back to how it was meant to be. And that's wholeness. When you're in connection with your creator, that's, your, that's true wholeness, right? And that all comes from the cross, so I want to give you a visual. Some of you just need to spend some time every day sitting in the truth of the cross. All right, here's the visual of the cross. Jesus was on a cross, right? And this arm was pointing, extended to the past. The freedom comes from that. We read it in Corinthians. My sins will never be counted against me. I've got some, some that I would not want to say out loud. Those will not be counted against me by the only one who really matters. You may think less of me. God doesn't. He sent Jesus so he wouldn't have to that sin wouldn't have to stay on me forever. It's been removed. It's not, it's been removed. It's the east is from the west. He has given me freedom from my past. His other arm is pointing to the future. We're free because what can this world throw at us when we know where we're going? This isn't home. We're not citizens of America. The scripture says we're citizens of 
heaven. There's a world coming. We're going to talk and see each other. Our bodies are going to look different, but it's going to be a real world. We're going to have food. We're going to have bodies. We're going to talk and sing, and we're going to live there, and it's never going to end. We're headed there. There's going to be no worries. There's going to be no anxiety. There's going to be no racism. There's going to be no death. It's going to be amazing. We're closer today than we've ever been. Jesus bought that for us, right? Our freedom in, like, how bad can a day be when that's coming for me, right? What we got to do better at Remember the past, remember the future, but is the, the body of Christ is in the middle and that affects your freedom in the day to day. He did not die for you just to remove your sins and call you to heaven and then live miserably through this life. He did all that so you could be free in your day to day. An invitation to be whole, to know you are loved and why you are loved and accepted. And he's got a plan for you and you can live out this freedom that he bought for you. You don't have to live in fear or shame or any of those things. So we're gonna sing this song and we're just gonna invite you uh, maybe Jubilee is all about a reset. Imagine that all your belongings or all your, your land goes back to whoever it belonged to every 50 years. Well, Jesus is the Jubilee. So maybe somebody in the room needs a reset. If God's just knocking on the door of your heart, you need a reset. We just want you to come forward and let somebody pray uh, for you. We got some people that are going to come up. They're going to be facing you. You can go to any of them. I'm going to ask Chauncey and Linnea to join that so we can have, uh, if you'd rather be prayed for by a woman, then you can go uh, with Linnea, and then uh, we got Thomas is, is here, several people, you know who you are, you can come up and, and pray over. Also, it's if you need a reset, or if you just need somebody to pray for you about whatever, we'd be happy to do that for you. All right, stand up with me, you can do that during the song. Father, we thank you for the Jubilee. God, thank you that Jesus is, uh, came to free us God, if there's somebody in the room that isn't sure that they need to be freed, I pray you would speak to their heart that none of us can live a good enough life on our own strength, that you freed us from performance and that you came to release us from oppression of all types. We thank you for Jesus and who he really is. God, as we sing this song, I pray it would mean more to us now than it did a few minutes ago. But God, if there's those in this room that just need prayer over whatever, that they would be bold and come and be prayed over. Or if there's some that need to restart, they want this new jubilee um, life in you. I pray they would come and be prayed for today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.